No, I, I don't agree. Um, and, and I don't really know where you're getting this impression from. Like, okay, so for sure there are bad no-code apps out there. But if you build a no-code app well, if you know what you're doing, then for sure it can scale. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. I'm your host, James McKimbin. In this episode, I'm joined by Kieran Ball, who is the founder of No Code Life, a selection of case studies of those making successful businesses using no code. Kieran also has courses on how to become a no-code SaaS founder, specifically using the Bubble platform. I wanted to get Kieran on the pod to discuss and challenge him on the no-code movement, and if you can actually create a scalable product using the tools available, or if no-code serves a slightly different purpose. Now, if you enjoyed my back and forth with Kieran about no-code, there is an extended version of the chat available on the IndieBytes membership for just $60 a year. Head to IndieBytes.com membership. And before we get into it, I'd like to thank my sponsor, Email Octopus. Now, email Octopus are the email platform focused on affordability and ease of use with a very generous free plan and without some of those bloated features so you can focus on shipping and growing your audience, which regular listeners know is essential for growth in the early days. So to get started with an email platform that just gets out of the way, you can contact up to 2,500 subscribers for free. Head to emailoctopus.com and hit the link in the show notes. Let's get into this chat with Kieran. Kieran, welcome to the pod. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. So let's get into who Kieran is. I put here you worked in finance and you're a spreadsheet bro. Is that right? I started out my career in in finance using a lot of spreadsheets, very, very corporate. And I didn't like the the banking aspect. My favourite thing about it was using spreadsheets, which sounds really nerdy, I know. But I think there's a lot of people out there who like spreadsheets. And the thing I liked about spreadsheets would be sitting down and trying to make a new spreadsheet that did cool stuff and had inputs and outputs and it was basically like a simple app and I always dreamed of being able to turn a spreadsheet into an app so that was kind of like the the beginnings of my interest in no code. You have tried and failed to learn code. I know a lot of people who have tried and failed to code so what was your story yeah i mean I, I spent probably a decade on and off trying to learn to code doing like code academy doing like javascript and stuff like that and the thing that i always found the most difficult like the actual coding part i quite liked like simple javascript in code academy was good but the thing i didn't like was often it just feels like you're trying to get your environment set up on your laptop and you're copying and pasting commands from stack overflow into your like terminal and I was thinking, I don't understand what any of these things are doing. I could paste the wrong thing and totally wipe my entire computer. Like, I have no idea. But I found that stuff really, really difficult. I think it's different now because you've got stuff like Replit, which takes care of all those different things, the servers and your environment, mm. and you just do the code. So I think maybe if I learned now, it would be a different story. I've kind of had a similar experience. And... This sort of leads us nicely into no code. I'm grateful that there are no code tools available that mean not only can I create the media content that I do that is more in my skill set and doesn't require needing how to code, but you can now create SaaS apps and various other things. When did you discover it and get into it? And where does it sort of fit into the timeline of you dabbling with code, working in startups? So in 2015, I co-founded a a tech startup with a coder and I was the non-technical one and we eventually had a team of like 15 developers and so I'd spent many years like working alongside these guys and then I was still like playing around in my spare time with side projects and then in 2019 I think I saw a, a tweet 
or something on Product Hunt, and I, I discovered first I discovered Glide apps, which their promise is turn a spreadsheet into an app, and and naturally I was like, oh my god, this is what I've been looking for. So I started using that and making little apps, and then I quickly found Bubble, and I just logged in and dragged some stuff onto the page and added some buttons, and then added a workflow, and I was like, oh my god, this is exactly what I want. Within two months of discovering it, I had built a full SaaS app with payments and like pretty cool functionality. It was like a video testimonials tool. When I messaged you, I was asking for some of your thoughts on no code and what you've done. And you said you've built and launched multiple SaaS products, albeit with minimal success. And I'm guessing a lot of these SaaS products have been using no code. And here's where I think the problem is a lot of the time that it's really hard to launch something and make it successful with no code because it always feels kind of hacky do you think your minimal success with a lot of these SaaS products are due to it being no code or the position in the product the market because like if you follow what damon's done with testimonial and now sender that would suggest that it's not the market or the idea of the positioning uh, no, I think it's 100% the founder. And yeah, it's not at all the tool. I, d- I don't agree that no code apps are, are hacky. I'm sure there are lots of ugly ones out there. But yeah, I think my lack of success with my different SaaS pro- projects is 100% because I'm not very good at marketing. Uh, that that first video testimonial tool, you know, I probably tweeted about it five times. I maybe had like a hundred followers. I spoke to a couple of friends and said, do you want to use this? And they kind of said yes. And then they kind of didn't use it. And then I just gave up and I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. And yeah, at that point I just discovered bubble. So I was like, okay, I've got 10 other ideas I can make. So I just totally just dropped it. What about those that have been successful building no code or apps with no code? I think we see less of them because no code is still a relatively new technology. Like, but yeah, there's a, there's definitely a few that are doing really well. So like this one guy, David Bressler, he was on paternity leave and he wanted to try doing a side project and he just discovered bubble. So he built this thing called Excel formula bot. It took him like six weeks from discovering bubble to, to building this thing. And then it went viral on Reddit and from what I've heard recently is he has like 60,000 monthly active users and like 700,000 wow. users in total. So like he's definitely scaling. He went full time on it after I think six months. And there's, yeah, there's loads of other stories like that. There's like Swapstack, which was recently acquired. It's like a newsletter sponsorship market marketplace. They were at 25K MRR when they got acquired. And it took them maybe a year or two to get there. And then there's ones that are doing like, yeah, way bigger scale, but you just don't hear about them or they're like, they're a bit shy about revealing their numbers and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're almost the outlier examples. And even then they're still not massive compared to what you would expect for something that is scaling. Beyond the point where I feel you can fix things and build new features that customers want without like really pushing the no-code tools to their limit. Do you think that? Like, do you think that maybe no-code tools are best for building MVPs and, like, getting to a certain scale and then you might have to rebuild the app in code to make it more robust? No, I I don't agree. Um, and, and I don't really know where you're getting this impression from. Like, okay, so for sure there are bad no-code apps out there. And I think one of the things about no-code is that anyone or almost anyone can do it. It's like way more accessible. So you get people who have absolutely zero design school skills, have never looked at a technical product or looked at how it's 
developed and they try and build an app and they find that they can build an app but they built it badly and then people they show it to people and people are like okay yeah no code looks terrible and the app's like really crap but if you build a no code app well if you know what you're doing then for sure it can scale i mean if you think of like salesforce right salesforce is like the original no code app you can build custom apps in salesforce and it's used by giant companies all over the world but if you like i was i've been watching videos recently on how to build apps in salesforce and it's it's not that different from bubble you can do a lot of the same things but you just have this terrible ui that you're like restricted to whereas bubble is the same principle build whatever app you want but you just have so much more flexibility yeah, I think that's a fair point. And you asked like where I get the impression from about it being more hacky and better for an MVP. It can't be scalable. Purely my own personal experience and examples that I've seen of apps built in no code. I've always felt that whenever I try to build something, I'm always like restricted to the confines of whatever tool I'm using. And often if I try and change one thing, I need to pair it together with something in the back end with Zapier. And it just feels more hacky because I don't know what I'm doing. And maybe that's the thing. Whereas, because I don't know what I'm doing with code, I wouldn't know where to start. But with no code, it looks more attainable because it's more visual. You can see that you drag these things here to connect this and make an app. But actually, I'm not doing the required effort to learn how you can use the tool better. In terms of your own stuff, no code life and your courses, where did it start for you telling stories of others, building stuff with no code and also your courses? So, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to build a flywheel where I get people interested in no code. And and a lot of people have the same kind of concerns or preconceptions that you do that, you know, you're very limited on what you can build. There's not much of an ecosystem around it. And so I wanted to tell the success stories of people who have successfully changed careers. So like I know tons of people who have gone from other jobs to becoming a full time no code builder. And then obviously when people say, oh, actually, this does sound good, then I'm like, OK, well, I have I have courses teaching you exactly how to do all this stuff. How, how's all that going in terms of uh, the core sales and growing all that? It's going okay. I find I, courses take so long to make, and then yeah, it's all about marketing, right? And as I said, I'm not very good at marketing. I'm slowly getting better at it. I, I think you're being harsh to yourself as well, Kieran, on not being good at marketing because you have grown an audience for yourself. Twenty five thousand Twitter followers. That's not an easy feat. You're in a niche, and you're focused on that niche. So everyone that comes to you knows that you're going to be talking about no code and learning from from you about that so what parts of your marketing do you feel you need to improve on i mean yeah i I guess i am harsh on myself because yeah i'm in you know the same twitter bubble that that you probably are where i see the success stories and everyone going crazy and tweets going viral it's a mindset thing really like i still put off marketing as much as possible like you really need to focus on it like i find marketing to be like it's too wishy-washy you don't see the results straight away like if you if you build a new feature for your app you can play with it immediately and you can show it to people straight away but if you do marketing you might have to wait a month or two months to see results and even then you don't know if it was the stuff you did or if it was just something random that's happened and i yeah i know there are ways to like attribute things and and be a lot more methodical about it but yeah that's that's not really me so i still find it quite of a kind of just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing if anything works yeah you say it's not really you which i get but it's kind of necessary right so 
is it not as like essential to learn those things that aren't really you or is it a case of outsourcing those to someone else if you can afford it yeah i've thought about outsourcing but i really i really want to get good at it because i really think that it is the kind of thing that it's kind of like a game and if you get into it and figure it out then i can see it becoming fun if you if you can actually say okay if i do these things i know that revenue will come then i can imagine that will be fun and yeah i have like i have had some success with with marketing so like my most successful product to date is a landing page builder called yep.so which i launched like coming up to a couple of years ago and i did get quite serious about marketing that but then when it comes to like i don't know more highbrow marketing like seo uh, and stuff like that and paid ads i'm just i'm so nervous of it there's like so much analytics and things you have to do where, where do you go in the future for you kieran in terms of do you put effort into yep dot so or do you put more effort into your courses and no code side of the business so yep has actually just been acquired so i'm not going to be working has on it yeah i haven't oh, announced shit. it i haven't announced it yet but yeah it's, it's just been acquired which was like a difficult decision but yeah it, I, I hadn't really touched it for a year right and it, it was making 700 dollars mrr and i i was probably spending two hours a month on it so for 700 dollars, that was like a good return and i was just happy to let it tick over like it was it's got like a kind of inbuilt growth mechanism whereby people are creating their pages and sharing them. And then when yep. someone looks at their page, they see like the, the yet badge and stuff. So it keeps getting new users without me doing anything at all. So it was a good, good product from that respect. But yeah, I've just, just sold that. So yeah, I'm gonna, I've got a few more SaaS things I'm working on. I've got like probably six or seven projects oh, that I'm I, working on. That This scares me. Kieran like first of all you had a product that was getting users without you doing anything imagine if now I don't want you to now regret your decision but imagine if you had put the time into marketing growing it if it was getting users without anything and you say you got six or seven SaaS ideas on the go it's going to be so hard to make any of those work because you've got your no code stuff as well why is it you've got all of this going on yeah it's partly for bad reasons partly because I just, I get new ideas or people approach me with, with projects they want to work on. And I'm like, yeah, this would be great. But on the other hand, like, because I'm making courses and I'm, I am building an audience around no code, like it is in my interest to be constantly learning new skills and trying new yep. things. And so a lot of what I do is like, I'm, I'm playing around with open AI every time they release a new thing. I'm, learning about it making tutorials about it and then maybe i end up making a product so i've just built this ai interview bot which i'm gonna you know i'm gonna try and market it to recruitment agencies and stuff so they can get candidates to like practice their interview skills with like an, an ai bot that has the job description and and yesterday i actually told it to pretend it was you doing an indie bites podcast and like with these <laughs> opinions about no code and then i we did like a mock interview like, so I could prepare, like, how do I, so how do my answers sound? And then like, at the end, it gives you feedback. So I just love building stuff like this. Like, it's crazy what you can do, especially with, with AI now. So did, did, uh, yep, get the same multiple as a traditional SaaS? So you're on 700 MRR, which is about eight grand a year, typical SaaS multiples, two to three times. So around 25, 20, 25K, is that about right? Yeah, that's exactly right. You listen to the pod, so 
you know I end on three recommendations, a book, a podcast, and Indie Hacker. What have you got for me? The one book I've picked up recently is the SAS Playbook by Rob Walling. Yeah. I, in terms of podcasts, I only really honestly listen to your podcasts. And obviously, I love Arvid Carl. And yeah, Indie Hacker, there's someone called Hazel Lim. I don't know if you're aware of her. And I just think she's she's putting out the best content of anyone at the moment. Like a lot of the formerly good tweeters were are now like just too successful. And she is just like scrappy and she's experimenting in public with like AI and no codes. Definitely. Kieran, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bytes. Don't forget you can get access to the full conversation on the Indie Bytes membership by hitting the link in the show notes. And a thank you again to my sponsor, Email Octopus, for making the show happen. That's all from me. See you next week. <laughs>